the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Come Together San Diego, and this is going to be a very special first hour. It's called the Align with Zion Hour. If you're familiar with this portion of the show, typically we do this at the end of every month, the last Saturday, because uh, that's just when we do this broadcast with my friend from Jerusalem, Anarina Hyman, and we talk about uh, orthodox things, and... Uh, and we dig into the scripture. However, you'll realize that this it broadcast the, the, where you're listening right now is not really the end of one month, but it's into the following month. That is because we're talking about the topic of uh, what we would call in scripture the Pentecost or Shavuot. And this is the day upon which it falls, Saturday the 8th of June here. And so we thought we would broadcast this show specifically on that because Goodness gracious, we're talking about that. Anarina, good to have you with me. Hi, Ted. Good to be here. <laughs> Jerusalem, speaking to you. You know, it wasn't long ago, my listening friend, that uh, I was with Anarina in Jerusalem. It was just a matter of uh, days, actually, and uh, it was one of the most remarkable experiences I had. I had never met Anarina in person, so I had to get to Israel to do that so I could look her in the eyes and say, oh, this is you. And she could look in my in my eyes and say, oh, let's forget this broadcast in the future. Thank you very much. But she didn't. Well, I had to jump a little bit, Cass, because you're a very tall guy. <laughs> so, um, but we could actually uh, look each other in the eye. And it was wonderful to meet you <laughs> in the city of David, our first meeting. Um, interesting for the listeners that we wanted to meet before that for a cup of coffee to discuss what we want to do in the city of David. But that didn't work out. Um, God wanted us to uh, meet the first time in the city of David's ancient biblical Jerusalem. <laughs> and everybody knows that listens to this broadcast how much I love not only the city of David, but the, uh, the topic of the tabernacle of David and the 24-7 continual worship that was administered through King David during his reign. So when you met me in in the city of David... Uh, I was breathless. Of course, I was breathless for other reasons, too, because you were running me up and down all the hills and mountains and valleys so, and in caves and things. So I'd like to say I was breathless because of exaltation, but I think I was breathless because my body was going ah, hard to keep up with on arena. But Cass, this is very important. I think um, we need to share this with the listeners. Um, Jerusalem is a city on a hill. Um, it's a very small city. The ancient city was very, very small, but it was still on a hill. And um, in Judaism, it's very important to, uh, to, to understand things in the material world, 
because that teaches you how you need to carry yourself in the spiritual as well. And when we say that we have to go up to Temple Mount, up to the Temple, up to Jerusalem, it's literally a very steep ascent up to Jerusalem. And um, you felt it. Uh, we actually, <laughs> also for, for the listeners, um, the city of David is right now excavating the road that led from the Shiluach to up to Temple Mount. This road, we, we walked a little bit on it, um, Kaz. You and I together, um, the way that the pilgrims did 2,000 to 3,000 years ago, we, we walked on that road. However... Then you saw that... Yeah. However, we only stayed on the road for a short time. Then we went what we call subterranean. All of a sudden, we were not on the road anymore. We were, I said, where's the road? She says, it's right overhead. So <laughs> we were underneath the road. It was a remarkable experience. We, correct. We were underneath the road. We were in this rain drainage pipe underneath the road, which was also very interesting because even the ancient highways had rain drainage pipes. Um, it was just made of stone. And um, so the rest of the ascent up the Temple Mount, we actually did um, underneath the road in this rain drainage um, tunnel. And soon we hope that um, this road will be open for the public to actually walk um, in the footsteps of the pilgrims as well. And in that rain drainage um, pipe for cares, that, that we tunnel that we actually walked in, they found the bell of the high priest. Um, you know, the, the, the high priest had to have 71 yes. bells around his, his um, tunic, and we found one of those bells in that tunnel that you walked. So it's, it's an amazing place, the city of David, to it, really to be there and see what we find. It is an amazing place. And as I recall, the, 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 the garment of the priest had uh, pomegranates and bells, and uh, it, w- it was a remarkable. I mean, you talk about everything has a, a purpose, and not only a literal, natural purpose, but also a spiritual implications. And someday, perhaps, we'll talk about the garments of the priests, <laughs> but not today. Correct. Correct. But it's interesting that, that, that this, this garment had 71 bells, and we are in the seven. We just in Israel after seventy. We're in the seventy-first. We're actually in the seventy-second year. Israel just turned seventy-one, and um, we just also had a wonderful time Bible study in the Knesset, where Rabbi Tzvi Weiss also spoke about the Sanhedrin, where David was the head of the Sanhedrin that has seventy-one members, and that is governance. And we we in that time right now. So. A very special time that we're moving into here in Israel. It is a special time. And the way that uh, the creator of the universe works it, he gives us us natural uh, things and he gives us spiritual things and they dovetail with one another. So, you know, uh, that's just how he works. He, 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 He helps us like he helps us understand like how why he gave uh Moses, the tabernacle of Moses, he said, don't don't make a mistake on this because I'm going to be using this as a communication tool from now uh, until Messiah comes. Correct. And also (laughs) we uh, see that it says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, uh, David said. And the way that the tabernacle was structured, this is very important. Also, the the tabernacle that ultimately the temple, um, we are in the same in the same way we are structured, the way that the temple is structured. If you read in the Bible that he speaks, you have to make it a certain way, certain measurements. This has to be this long and this wide, and you have to put these kind of brackets here. 
all those things can um, correspond to the spiritual dynamic. And we will go a little bit into that um, later on also when we go into the times that correspond. But within our bodies, our bodies are exactly the setup of, of the temple as well. So we are ourselves a temple in which a place of worship to, um, that corresponds with God. Yes, I love that, Anarita. That is so true. And, you know, you know that I've been studying... Uh, the city of David for decades, and among my studies of the city of David, you also have to include the study of the not only the tabernacle of David, but you have to go back and study the tabernacle of Moses as well. And when you start to look at the configuration there, you go, oh my, I mean, there's some some uh, natural body parts symbolized there as well. I mean, it's, it is absolutely remarkable. But that's, that's yes, how... Even, even, even the way that we made up with the, the menorah, the, the, the light that was in the temple, um, your whole body, when you stretch <laughs> out your arms, is exactly like the menorah itself. So we are temple vessels, and we need to understand how, how that fits in. But, but Kat, for me, I just want to know, and also for the listeners, what was the highlight for you in the city of David, from what you saw? Because it's, so, it's sometimes not fair that you have to hear it on the radio about it <laughs> when other people can actually experience it. So we have the responsibility to share Everything with the listeners. Well, uh, there were too many things to to, to mention specifically. I, I have to say, because I'm a Tabernacle of David guy, I was very interested in where you th- said that you felt the Tabernacle of David was constructed. I was interested in the um, the the edifice, the the walls, the stones, and the walls, and also the, the how God is just excavating those even today, which bespeaks mm-hmm. of His heart cry. We're excavating them for e- eternal purposes. I, I, I got the feeling that I was right in the thick of the now history uh, every f- step that I took. But, you know, one of the other things that I realized, and you told me about this later, but when we'll talk about it in the next segment and beyond, but we talked about the counting of the Omer. And uh, we, 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 there's a, God does so many different things to help us understand his character. And one of the things at the close of Pesach, or what we would call Passover, we begin counting the Omer. And the Omer is basically sheaves of barley. And you, because there's 50 days from the close of Pesach to, to the beginning, to, uh, for the, to the Pentecost, uh, uh, the Jews were instructed to have... Uh, Omers, one for each day as they counted the days. And it was interesting that we um, did our visit to uh, the city of David on what you would call the uh, 25th day of the Omer. And, you know, they're counting to 50 days, and that was 25 is right smack dab in the middle. So uh, when you explained that to me, I was weak-kneed. Exactly, because we met in the middle of the Omer. uh, Again, where we stood, this is where the... uh, Barley was taken up to the temple for for us to understand how the the agricultural produce is now being given to us and how it's growing in the field. And you came um, on the day of Netzach Shevenetzach, and that means eternity within eternity. And we're going to speak in the next section about that, how we got <laughs> to that and why you were there right there on that day. My, my. Eternity within eternity and... Uh... The creator of the universe gives us messages so that we don't miss it. He gives us uh, 
he gives us uh, months, years, days. He gives us patterns and symbols and types for us to understand his character. And uh, honoring a hymen and a line with Zion. Uh, we'll be back after the commercial break to talk about the counting of the Omer and uh, launch this into this broadcast and talk a little bit more about uh, the city of David, but its uh, origins and uh, not only the guy who's did this, King David, but his lineage as well. Going to be a remarkable time. Honorina, I know you're with me. So my listening friend, uh, Honorina Hyman and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And I'm back with the Align with Zion Hour and my friend in Israel, in Jerusalem, and also the city of David in Mount Zion, Anarina Chaiman. And uh, thank you for being with me. It's so much fun talking with you, but it was also much more fun actually meeting and greeting you and having you take, take me around to the city of David, also known as Mount Zion, also known as the original Jerusalem. So... Guess what we want to talk about this time? I know you know, Honorina. <laughs> you have to explain to the listeners now, Kaz, why you, well, why God decided that you have to come and visit me on Netzach Shebenetzach, Eternity wow. Within Eternity and the Counting of the Omer. <laughs> the Counting of the Omer. And uh, when Israel uh, celebrated Pesach, or as we, we would call it, uh, the uh, Passover, then he he t- instructed the Israelites to grab uh, bushels or handfuls of of uh, barley, and by the day, because there's 50 days between the close of uh, Passover and the beginning of what, what Honorina calls Shavuot, which we would call Pentecost, um, they counted the Omer, so every sheaf counted for a day. And so the opportunity for us to do this actually literally on the 25th, the, uh, uh, the 25th day of the Omer was remarkable. Eternity within eternity. And uh, I'm going to hand sure. the baton over to you, Anarina, to talk to us about the Omer a little bit more, because this is going to set the stage for major revelation in our broadcast, but also in the eyes of anybody who desires to dig into God's truths in the Omer in the festivals and feasts, in the days, the weeks, the months, the years. Wow. Go ahead, Anarina. <laughs> so, guys, I think it's important to, to understand that, as we said, as we count it in the material, it, it corresponds all the time in the spiritual. So we, um, in, in, in the um, ancient times, it had to do with the agricultural cycles because we could see through that. Um, God's providence and how he provided for us and how he said you will settle the land and I will send you the, the early and the latter rains and, and through this you will see how I take care of you in my land and um, what happens with the counting of the honor we, we mentioned before uh, so I just want to mention it briefly again. In Pesach, we had the Seder meal. Seder means order. And um, we likened this um, unto almost like a radio, where you have all the elements and you have to put the whole radio together. Um, during Pesach, we have a very specific 
way that we have to do the the cedar meal um, and we have to combine certain elements and so we are putting this radio together but now if you have a radio that doesn't mean if you switch it on you're going to hear anything on it then you have to go and you have to calibrate yourself and you have to tune in this radio until you can hear a voice and that's exactly what happens because when we get to Shavuot which means the feast of weeks it's also the time when Israel received the Torah, when they heard the voice of God and when he gave them his word um, um, for us to live by. So that's right. exactly what's happening here. So, so that was through Moses on Mount Sinai, right? That was Horeb. Uh, yes, 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 on Mount Sinai. So what we have here is uh, seven weeks. And every uh, week we have a certain attribute by which God runs his world. And we have to align these attributes one by one with each other. It's almost when you're in a laboratory and you have to try one element with all the other elements. And then you go to the next element and you try it again with all the others. And so you make sure that you calibrate on every single one of them. That you are aligned when the time comes when you can hear God's voice. Thus so, the counting of the omer, right? That is why you count the omers. Each, each omer uh, gives you another piece of that puzzle. Correct, correct. So let's look at the weeks. We have seven weeks. And the first week that we have is the week of Chesed, which means loving kindness. And, and that is the most important thing to start with. You have to reach into this world with loving kindness. You have to be nice to people. You have to welcome them into your house like Abram. Abram welcomes people all the time into his house. It, it's just a giving. But then we get to the second week, and then we have the week of Devora, which means restraint and strength. And it means um, there's also boundaries to everything. Okay? Sometimes we get people that are so giving that they are um, giving themselves away to the point where they don't have anything else to give. So we have to have restraint in our lives. We have to know how to give. You have to know when to give and when not to. So restraint also brings you to the place where you can say no. And that you have the right to say no. And that you sometimes have to say no. Then we have to direct. Tiferet is beauty and balance. It stands between um, um, the loving kindness and the strength, and it brings it into perfect harmony. And that harmony brings about a, a, a tremendous beauty. Then we have Netzach, and that was the week that you came. Netzach means eternity. Um, in that week, we focus. All these attributes has an eternal value, and we then work on all these things to bring the eternal value to them. After that, we have Hod, which is grandeur and charismatic beauty, and that works on your skills. The call and the talents that you have in your life, that's where you have to sharpen your skills and make sure you use your talents correctly in God's service um, in this world. Um, right now, when we are uh, recording this session, we're in the, in the week of Yisod, that's foundation. That's touchdown. That's when all these things that you've worked on, you, you, you build a platform by which you can then bring these things into the world, by which you can serve God. And then we have Malchut, kingship, in the last week. And that is where Malchut actually brings a complete realization of all these things that you've worked on. So what we do is when we count, we start with loving kindness, within loving kindness. Then we go strength within loving kindness. 
beauty within loving kindness. So we, we, we keep on matching these attributes up with each other. So by the time when you came, we matched up exactly eternity within eternity. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the work that you are doing, Kat, here in, um, with the listeners and, and making people aware of how God moves in the world through these festivals and through the um, dynamics that you see in the tabernacle, in, in, in the, the temple, all those things, it's so important to lay um, the, the foundation for, the, for eternity and the work that will have an eternal value. So that's what we have when we have the Omer. And then finally, we get to shovel. Um, is there anything that you want to add? Well, I, I want to set the stage for this. For, yes, Honorina, thank you. And my friend, okay. you know, I've been studying about the feasts and festivals and the days and, and the months and things like that for some time. But this whole uh, idea of the different Omers carrying different progressive truths is remarkable. I had no clue. And the more I dig into the uh, scripture and even the, the Hebrew tradition, I go, this is absolutely amazing. The Lord, the creator of the universe, gave us step-by-step ways to have intimate relationship with him. All we have to do is get it. <laughs> you know, Honorina, one of the things that I, I really appreciate is the whole idea of the, that mountain that we call Zion. And its original uh, was Mount Jebus before it was Mount Zion in King David's day. The Jebusites had it. But the, the uh-huh. purpose of that mountain has spiritual, supernatural uh, revelation as well. The purpose of that mountain was a, a mountain for not only threshing, but winnowing of the barley and the wheat. And when we realize that as we go through the barley harvest and the wheat harvest, those have significant truths as well. And I'd like to spend the next segment with you talking about the whole idea (laughs) of threshing and winnowing. My friend, you know, when you hear about threshing and you know threshing doesn't sound like a very pleasant experience, (laughs) but God says... To, to bring us to where we need to go, we've got to drop some stuff off. And so I'm going to have Honorina explain to us the whole idea of the threshing floor, because this is also going to lead into uh, future discussions about Boaz and Ruth and even King David. We're going to find out about the threshing floor. Honorina Hyman and Line with Zion, Kaz Taylor, we're going to be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Hi, San Diego. This is Pastor Larry Peltier of Beach Chapel, Encinitas. Lord, we pray for grace and favor for all of San Diego, all those who are homeless, who are sick, who need help. We just thank you, God. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And I am back with Honorina Hyman and Align with Zion and the Align with Zion Hour. And the, the broadcast of this show happens on what we call Shavuot, or the, the feast or festival of Pentecost. But leading up to the, that feast and festival is very, very important. One of the aspects that we want to explore in this segment is what happens to the barley, what happens to the wheat, what happens to us in our lives. This is all uh, a message that uh, the creator of the universe wants to tell us about preparing ourselves for greater and greater intimacy. And that uh, 
process is called the threshing floor. And people go, ooh, threshing. I don't know whether I like threshing. But God wants us to eliminate the chaff of our lives and uh, have the pure grain. And we can have great revelation about the creator of the universe when we realize his purposes for us to be pure grain, symbolically speaking. So, Honorina, talk a little bit about the threshing floor and winnowing, and I will jump in and do color commentary with you, Honorina Hyman. <laughs> Thank you, Kaz. Um, I think this will help our listeners also to um, sometimes understand why we're going through certain things in our lives. Um, not just that, to know that when it happens, um, you know how to go with the flow and to work with it and to work with yourself as God is taking you through, through the process. But also, if we can start understanding the cycles in which God moves, it makes it easier as well. It's not you trying to get to the beach and breaking through the breakers all the time and you don't understand why it keeps on crushing against you. If you can understand how to go with the flow, then, then things get a little bit easier as well. Sometimes we just have to go through the hard times as well. But um, we have now seen that from the, the, the attribute of your thought, um, that's the time when um, heaven actually touches earth and when we start to get touched down, when we start to see that we are now building a place where all the plans and, and the way that we have worked on ourselves uh, will now be ready to, to, to that we will see some kind of manifestation in the world that we live in. And Malchut, the kingship, is then the last week to get that birthing process that happens in Shavuot. Shavuot is the, the time when we have received the Torah. It's the time when God gave us His commandments. Um, but it is also the time of the threshing floor that we will see later on. The story, the whole story of Boaz and Ruth happening this time. And on Shavuot, the Jewish people gather around, they read the Torah, we celebrate the, the festival of Shavuot, but we also read the whole book of Ruth um, because it happened in this time and because of the uh, the marriage that uh, happened between God and Israel as Israel is his bride. So, But what happens here is we have um, Shavuot where things start to materialize. And for a lot of people, I think, um, have felt that they are hanging with their feet in the air. I have a lot of friends here in Israel as well. It's as if a lot of old structures um, broke away from people, although they broke away from the structures. And God is now setting a new um, uh, trail uh, for, for us to walk in. He's getting us ready for really amazing things to happen. And in Shavuot, I believe between Shavuot and Sukkot, when we start seeing the materiali- uh, materialization of these things, you will feel a little bit more secure. You will start to see a lot of projects and things that you've worked on is actually going to start to take shape. Um, and if we can start understanding these dynamics, that's going to help us. But let's look at the threshing floor. Have you ever seen a spacecraft um, when they shoot it into the air? Um, <laughs> when they, yes, indeed. When it gets into, it, it, it's tremendous. It's that countdown and then this massive um, fire and smoke and everything, and, and it lifts the spacecraft um, into the air. But the moment when it gets out of the atmosphere, something happens. All those gas tanks and everything that was necessary to get this thing into space then falls off. It literally uh, detaches itself from from the spaceship, and a very small little spaceship (laughs) (laughs) remains. There's not much left, but within it, 
It's the most. It's carrying the life within it itself, and the people that need My. to take it further. So, so that's the same thing as a, uh, the threshing floor itself. And I think the biggest lesson that we have to learn about threshing is that a whole plant um, grows and breaks through the ground, and it, it, it needs to take the no- nourishment from the ground. But at the at the end, it, it, it dries out. And it's taken away. Everything that carried you to this point, Kaz, is going to be taken away. Yes. And then the only thing that's going to remain is the kernel. So it also means that that which carried you up till now, if you don't separate from it, it can kill you. It's almost like a birth as well. If the baby is not separated from the uh, umbilical cord, you have a problem. Yes, yes, yes. So, and this, this is a very hard process for people to understand is God uses a whole frame of reference and he uses a whole structure to, to bring you and to shape you into who you need to be. But they sometimes there will come a time when you're going to start removing the things that carried you up to, to, to the point so that you can become in the fullness of who you are. Yes, yes. Um, I, I want I I to give a frame of reference to our listeners here about the, th- <laughs> the threshing floor here uh the, the high places were the places where the threshing floors were typically found in israel and the high places are places like mountain uh, m- mountaintops and of course mount zion even before king david changed the name from mount jebus to mount Z- zion was one of those places where the, the there was enough wind coursing through that beyond the threshing where you you know the 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 grain is being crushed and the and the chaff is being removed there's also another process which is called winnowing but there was enough wind in these high places for the wind to course through once the the uh crushing happened and the seed is 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 by itself, you have to remove the chaff. So uh, then, then you just you you take the you take the items in kind of a basket thing, and you throw them in the air. You've seen it before, my friend. And the wind carries the chaff away, so that all that's left is the pure grain. Now, this is a natural illustration of what the Lord is doing to us as we prepare prepare for this Shavuot, the delivery of the law. He wants us to be ready to not only receive it, to properly deal with that. And so when we see threshing and winnowing in the natural, it bespeaks of supernatural things, of God's desire to communicate clearly with us and prepare us for that intimacy that he has so long longed for. Honorina? That's, that's a, a true, Kaz. And, and what we, the, like you said, the step before we even thresh, the, th- uh, the, the step before we even throw uh, everything up in the air, literally you feel that you're up in the air <laughs> and the wind then blows away the, the chaff, it, it needs to be separated first. So there's a crushing process before you can throw it in the air and the wind blows it away. Interestingly enough, um, I was walking with my neighbor uh, the other evening here in Jerusalem and there's always a breeze and he said to me you know that's one of the reasons why I live in, in Jerusalem because there's always a breeze Jerusalem is high up and the mountain uh, Mount Moriah is even higher up and that's why you get the breeze and that's why they would have put a threshing floor there but also Kaz in, in the ancient times you would find um, with all the other nations that they will put their idols at the threshing floor. Uh, they believe that these idols are the, the things that are giving them the produce. And th- that's why the idols need to be placed at the threshing floor so that 
there can be a, a, a kind of a worship happening there. That's why you will hear a lot in the Tanakh, in the Bible, it speaks of the high places. When yes. God speaks to Israel against idol worship, he speaks of the high places. Because most of these idols were placed there. So when we come to the highest places where all these things need to take place, we have to make sure also that idols are removed from that process. Um, Again, we said that most of the nations think that the idols are giving them the produce. In, 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 in our lives, we know that God is the one, the creator that, that provides for us, the provider in, in all our needs. And that's wow. why it's important to keep that in mind. So you read through scripture and every, when you read through the books of the, the Kings and, and, and some of the, the, the other books as well, it talks about when the, the, the Kings come into their kingship, uh, some of them actually take away the high places. What that's talking about is taking away the idols from the high places. And that that's Correct. remarkable. And now it's all coming into focus. It's tied to uh, the uh, threshing and the winnowing, but threshing and winnowing with the right heart and not with an idol mixed in. How remarkable is that? Now, we've got about a minute and a half left in this segment. How do you want to t- uh, put a crescendo on this or you want to carry it into the next segment? I just think what you mentioned right now about David, um, the, how did he find it? We know um, that David also um, uh, studied with Samuel the scriptures to understand exactly where the location of uh, the temple had to be. But the ultimate of discovering that place was when, there, when he went through a, a test when he had to do a census um, with the nation. But the whole thing ended up at the threshing floor. So the temple being built is also built. Instead of an idol standing there, that is the location, uh, the ultimate location where the temple um, was built. Wow, wow. Honorina, we're coming up against a break here, but this whole idea of the threshing floor and the winnowing, and when you look into Scripture, you'll realize the threshing floor is a significant topic throughout many areas of Scripture, and uh, in fact, many, many wonderful things happened at the threshing floor, which set the stage for what God wanted to do even beyond that, uh, having to do with the temple and things like that. But the threshing floor was really uh, a a pivotal location where different meetings meetings took place, and we're going to talk about some of those threshing floor meetings and uh, what that has to do with the history of yesterday, but also of today and even into the future. Honorina, stay with us, and my listening friend, I know you're captivated by what Honorina is saying, so I'm sure you will stay with us as well. So, my friends, Honorina Hyman of Align with Zion and AlignWithZion.com, and Kaz will be right back. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And I'm back with Anarina Hyman of Align with Zion. And we're doing the Align with Zion Hour. And we're well into it. And uh, the broadcast date of this pre-recorded show is during what we would call Shavuot or uh, Pentecost. In the Greek, it's Pentecost, meaning Pentecost, 50 days. But Shavuot is the Hebrew expression of this celebration of the wheat harvest. But, it, oh, it is so much more, as we will find out with Honorina Chaimet. But we've been talking about the uh, 
the winnowing and threshing floor. And and the last segment, we talked about the threshing floor. And I ended the segment by saying, when you realize some of the meetings that were uh, executed during this time period where the threshing floor was being used for the threshing of the wheat and also the barley. It is amazing. And we're going to get into one of those key meetings that has everything to do with us today. Not only on arena, an Orthodox Jew, but also we uh, Christians uh, that uh, embrace the scripture as well. We'll find out that God had a, a, a strategy behind all this. And it was, uh, it was brought to four on the threshing floor. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. It was brought to four on the threshing floor. Wow. You know, if you were, if you were, if you were astute, you would have done the music behind me there and we could have done a rap session. I would have wanted to start a rapping here, you know. But the truth of the matter is, the the truth of the matter is, my friend, if I could be a little bit more corny, another wheat joke, but we're not here to uh, rap. We're here to unwrap. So, Honorina, I'm going, to, I'm going to hand it over to you. The threshing floor is significant as a meeting place, uh, and it has everything to do with the meetings that we're experiencing today, Honorina and I, and you and I, and Jew and Gentile as well. I'm going to hand it over to you, Honorina, as you talk about some of the favorite people in Scripture. I think it's such a beautiful story, the story of Houdin Boaz, um, Cass, for us, um um, it, it, it speaks of uh, this man from, from Yehuda, which um, lives in Bethlehem and Bethlehem, and he, he becomes also the forefather of King David. Um, but here we have this woman that comes, uh, a Moabite, um, and they left it. Uh, basically, Naomi's husband left in a time when, when it was so difficult in Israel, and he was actually a leader as well. And he left his people to, to, to go to Moab. And there uh, we know the story that they, um, their sons married two Moabite princesses. Um, the husband and the, and the sons died, and now Naomi is coming back. Um, and this is where who decides, um, all by, decides not to follow, who decides to, to follow her. And um, in Judaism, she is, uh, Ruth is also seen as the mother of all converts, because this is where nations join to, to, to become Jewish as well. And they take up um, the, 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 the national call of the Jewish people to become a light unto the nations. She became Jewish. And she said to, to, to Naomi, I want your God is my God. I will follow you the way that you follow God. Um, and that all happened. But then we have this marriage between Boaz and Ruth. And that is exactly what happened on Mount Sinai when, when the Jewish people received the contract, the marital contract between them and God. Um, they literally stand um, underneath the chuppah as we do at our weddings. Um, um, so that it, it, it was uh, a whole wedding that happened at Sinai. Yes. As well. So all of this happened, and it is so beautiful um, to see this whole story. But what was difficult, um, Cass, that I want to also touch on is the whole um, history of Ruth that sort of made a few difficulties also in, in somebody else's life. But before we get there, I believe that you also have a lot to share about um, Boaz and Ruth. Well, thank you, Honorina. To me, this is really pivotal about God's plans in these days, bringing Jew and Gentile together. And But it's not going to be successful unless we're properly 
threshed by God and properly winnowed, as in letting the wind take away the, the coarse stuff and just let the pure grain be there. Now, when we allow that process, then the purpose behind the meeting of Boaz and Ruth on the, on the threshing floor, where they realized that God had a bigger destiny for each of them, but not singularly, it was a destiny of them together. Uh, when we realize that there has to be a preparatory process, then it helps us understand God's plans for bringing a Jew and Gentile together because he has an ulterior motive. And when, when you know, you talked about the, the discussion between Naomi and Ruth where she said, uh, I, I, I'm not going to stay back in that land where I was. I want to come into the land that God has provided. Um, and I want to be, I want your people to be my people. I want your God to be my God. And uh, that is the heart cry that I'm beginning to sense in the Christian environment, in, in the Gentile environment of wanting to be joined together. But all the threshing and the winnowing has to happen before that can take effect. So that's the thing that really stirs me as I think about this story and the winnowing and the threshing that is (laughs) taking place right now as God works his plan out. And he did it in the natural and he did it in the feasts and festivals and he's doing it to us right now. Honorina? You're so right, Kaz. And um, uh, we spoke about this before that Israel after 70, we're going to see a certain correction taking place in the world. Um, And we're starting to see that already. So there is definitely the threshing that will will take effect right now and and a certain correction that will happen in the world. And what we need to do is we just need to understand how um, to place ourselves humbly before God so that he can guide us because he's literally taking away everything that you know, your whole security, everything that you've that held you secure is now going to be removed. And you're going to have to start looking um, not to the outside, but to the inside to understand exactly who you are and how God wants to move you forward. Um, and, and this is very difficult um, in, in this process as well. If we can just get back to, to Ruth as well, Ruth. Um, she was a Moabite. And by the, uh, at the time when Israel had to move towards, the, the people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they had to move through the desert to get to the land of Israel, um, the Moabites were not very friendly to them. And because of that, there was a certain rule in place that um, a, Mo- a Moabite cannot join the Jewish people. Here comes this uh, Moabite princess, and, and, and she joins. So there is a very deep explanation for that, but I'm not going to go into. But it sort of um, um, caused some confusion um, in the ta- uh, a few generations later, because we know that Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David. And I don't know if the listeners know this, but many times when we read the Psalms, you can see that um, King David, David at that stage, being a shepherd boy, had a very difficult life. You can also see that um, when Samuel comes to anoint this, this, this boy, uh, he's not even there because he's got the seven sons, uh, Ishai's seven sons are there. Um, Samuel goes through them all and he realizes, but okay, there, there, there must be an eighth son. An eighth is also the, the next level. But where is this boy? And, and, and the question is, why did they hide David? Why, why was he in the field, not on the same status of his brothers? And all of that can be traced back to the fact that his great-grandmother was, was a Moabite. When the time when Ishai start, started to think that he doesn't want to have more sons, because maybe he is wrong because his lineage is coming from a Moabite um, background. 
um, and that he started to to have doubts about Dari's own lineage and that of his sons. Um, and then a whole story happened that is also not something for today, but that caused David to be um, not respected uh, amongst his brothers. So we can see in the whole lineage of the, this man that needs to be the Mashiach, the anointed one, the one that needs to be anointed for, for the king that needs to unite with a tribal confederation of Israel. This guy is a shepherd boy somewhere in the field. My wife gave me a nugget a while back, and I use it every once in a while, and every once in a while I feel compelled to tell people it was actually her and not my own brain. And my listening friend, what God wants us to do is, out of the confusion of life, God wants to use that as a stepping stone, or as we use the rocket ship analogy, the, uh, the, the launching pad for fusion, that intimacy where we get to be that pure grain that God wants us to be and that we can co-mingle, if you will, with other pure grains. Uh, <laughs> the, the analogy could just go on forever, but I'm going to stop the analogy right there. But you're getting the message. And my listening friend, we're running out of time here, and I'm going to give uh, Honorina 30 seconds to make her conclusion and tell people how to find out more about her and her website. Honorina? Thank you, Chaz. So just to keep on listening to the program, we will, say, we will talk you through. If they want to add something in the meantime, they can come to the site, Align with Zine, www.alignwithzine, align, A-L-I-G-N, with Zine.com, and they will see even more if they want to learn a little bit more in the meantime. Thank you, Chaz. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Honorina Hyman, it was a, a thrill to spend a week with you in actually the city of David. Are you kidding me? And walking around <laughs> there with you and you showing the, the different areas off to me. That was remarkable. So, Honorina Hyman. It was wonderful having you. Thank <laughs> you, Ted. It's a pleasure. Alignwithzion.com. And thank you, my friends, for joining us for this first hour called the Align with Zion Hour. So, Kaz and Honorina are saying, see you soon. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ San Marcos Poway and K29CR Encinitas. FM 106.1 North County. AM 1210 San Diego. K-Praise. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And my listening friends, we are back. And guess what? It's time to dig more deeply in the topic of Pentecost or Shavuot. And uh, we have a guest that is... Uh, prime selection to be able to talk to us more about this. I want you to meet Shelley Niece, and she is an author, but oh, so much more. The book that she has recently authored is The Copper Scroll Project, and if anybody is interested in what's going on in Israel right now, this Copper Scroll and the Copper Scroll Projects will open your eyes. Shelley, how you doing? Great. Thanks for having me on, Kat. Oh, it's a pleasure. And uh, I just met with you in Washington, D.C. a week or less than a week ago, and uh, we had a good time, didn't we? We we did. We did. You know, I mean, people always talk about draining the swamp, but the swamp is <laughs> in a revival. And I think you saw that yourself last week, right? <laughs> I did see that in, indeed. And there are a lot of different people God has in the swamp to impact the swamp. And 
while you do so many other things, you are in the swamp impacting the swamp as well, Shelley Neese. Uh, I have to laugh because Shelley is familiar with Anarina Hyman, who was in the first hour. And when she discovered, I told her, you're going to be right after uh, Anarina Hyman. She goes, I have to follow Anarina? <laughs> well, you both have real hearts after God, I can tell you that. It would never, it, no one ever, it would never be my first choice to follow her for sure. <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely believe that she has the capability of priming the pump, you know. So if we can, if we can dig it a little deeper in Shavua, I know that she is always the perfect person to, to lay the foundation and stir people's hearts. Yes. And we're, what we're going to do in the, the remaining hour here is we're going to, I don't know about deeper, but what we're going to do is we're going to change the focus. And uh, you and I, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it from a, a Christian perspective. With Arena, I talk about it more from an Old Testament perspective to get the Old Testament Tanakh perspective. And then uh, in other segments after that, I come back in with the Christian perspective as well. So, but, but beyond that, you, you know, you have spent a lot of time in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem and surrounding areas. And you had not only a heart for that, but God has stirred you to reveal certain things. So this whole topic of the time that we're celebrating right now, the Shavuot, or what we Christians might call the Pentecost time frame, is near and dear to your heart as well. Give us a little overview of yourself first so that we can dive into this with uh, both feet, uh, Shelley Niece. Sure, sure. So... I was raised in a Christian home and definitely loved God, loved the Bible, and a follower of Jesus. Um, My husband and I got married young and moved to Israel two weeks later because when you're 20, that seems like a really logical (laughs) next step. Um, And we went there for graduate school. And I can say that at the time, you know, I wasn't particularly drawn to Israel or felt like Israel had any calling in my life. It just seemed like a fun, adventurous next step. And, and I think I had really romantic visions of, you know, jogging around the sea of Galilee and that this was the land that Jesus walked, but really no education on modern Israel or what that meant. And when we got there, it was 2000, the second Antipodist started closely after we arrived. And so I suddenly went from someone who had mostly been focusing in my studies in math to I just I had to know history I had to know more about Judaism and and what was happening around me the land the geography Jew, Jewish history specifically and then also just in that process as I was trying to just learn about why why this violence was happening around me and why buses were being blown up and why my neighbors you know seemed to to be all too familiar with this cycle of violence. I also was getting invited to Shabbat dinners and to Passover seders and, you know, getting to know my Israeli neighbors. And so just getting a lot of firsthand exposure into these beautiful Jewish traditions. And because Israelis, you know, just have this confidence in terms of that it's the only place that you can be Jewish and part of the religious majority. So (laughs) the confidence, you know, that they have in just sharing their faith, sharing their traditions with me, you know, this Southern Christian girl, they would, they would confidently tell me when I needed to be thinking about Jesus during the Passover Seder or, you know, when I should be struck or shaken. And so I just felt like I had a lot of handholding into this, into this new understanding and into this new world of why Israel is important. 
in the eyes of God and in terms of how God is actively engaging in the world today, but also why why Judaism and why the feast and the festivals and Sabbath and, and Torah study, why all of that matters for my yes. Christian faith as well. Yes. Shelley, you know, one of the things that I discovered just having come back from there uh, weeks ago, and that this time around I spent most of my time with Orthodox Jews rather than, you know, the, the convert, how, how would you call them, Messianic Jews. And mm-hmm. it opened my eyes on another facet of this uh, Judeo-Christian perspective that we're supposed to have. And I had a, a real heart cry, and that's one of the reasons I really enjoy uh, interacting with Honorina Chaiman, because she's an Orthodox Jew. And uh, we have, you know, you know, Orthodox Jew and a, and a Christian, uh, there's a lot of common denominators. It's called what we call the Old Testament, or what she would call the Tanakh. But there are also some uh, very significant differences. But we've found a way to be able to be friends even in the midst of that. And that's one thing that I found as a common denominator as of spending time in Israel this time around, because I spend most of my time with the Orthodox people. And they love, you know, many of them are apprehensive about what the ulterior motives of, of we Christians is, but many others just kind of are open-hearted. You want to speak to that briefly? We've got about two or three minutes, and then we're going to dive into some other uh, things about what this time frame right now of Shavuot means. But I want to speak to that briefly first, uh, Shelley Nies. Right. Well, I can I can even say even just specifically to Honorina, the first time I ever heard her speak was the Knesset, Israel's parliamentary building. They have a pretty regular Christian Jewish Bible study now. And, you know, who attends are the Orthodox Jews in Knesset and and passionate Christian believers. And there is just, you know, it's never long enough. There's so much that we both just feel so impassioned to share with each other. And because we both want to go closer to God, because we both are um, drawn to the, the way that each other's sees our path in terms of how, how, you know, as the Tanakh would phrase it, like what we can do so that it all will be well with us. You know, I learned so much from the Jewish brothers and sisters in terms of how they study the Bible, how they question the Bible. You and know, how they how interpret they, the Bible as well. Yes, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I've seen even just in the last 20 years, just so much forward progress in Orthodox Jews and Christians coming together with the Bible as our foundation and just humbly learning from each other. Yes, yes. And I want to give a shout out right now because while Honorina is one of the teachers at uh, the the Knesset uh, for the Bible study things, uh, we have some people in San Diego who are very instrumental in the uh, beginning of this as well. Their names are Jim Garlow and his wife, Rosemary Schindler Garlow. They are in the Knesset frequently uh, being involved. They wouldn't say orchestrating because it's bigger, much bigger than that now, uh, but uh, being very instrumental in what's going on there. And I'll tell you what, uh, Jim Garlow and Rosemary Schindler Garlow are homegrown people of San Diego County, and we are just honored not only to know them, but be praying for them in the midst of that as well. So so much so to, that's enough uh, kind of giving the accolades there. We'll get back into the show, but I just, my listening friend, you need to know the caliber of people that are in San Diego who have a heart for Israel and Jerusalem. 
Shelly, you, you know, true. one of the things that we're going to talk about, you know, I, I appreciate your, your heart cry. You're not only a, a student and a teacher, but you're also an author. And in later segments, we're going to talk a little bit about how God has called you to write specific content in articles as well as in books. We'll talk about that in another segment. But right now, we're going to be shifting the gears a little bit to talk about this month, the the third month in the biblical calendar, the month of Sivan, and what falls within this month is known as what we would call the Feast of Pentecost and what the Jews would call Shavuot. We're going to talk a little bit more exactly. about that, if you would be so kind in the next segment. I can't wait. <laughs> well, you're going to have to wait for about four minutes, and then <laughs> Shelley Neese and Cass Taylor will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And my friends, I'm back, but oh no, I'm not alone. I'm with Shelley Nish. You will love her. She's not only an author, she has written the very popular book called The Copper Scroll Project, but she's also a writer of articles as well, and she's a Bible teacher. She's inspirational in her uh, speaking. She, she's everywhere doing everything, and uh, we get to have her for this entire hour. Isn't that right, Shelley Nish? It is. It's everything that you just said. I, I could also swing right back at you that you are everywhere doing everything. <laughs> you know, Shelley, we're, we're in, a, in a very uh, amazing time frame. In, from a from a general perspective, you know, we're at the where the clock is winding down uh, for the Lord's soon coming return. But also this this month, the month of Savan, the third month in the biblical calendar is burgeoning with truths, and perhaps the most interesting truth is the thing that happens right now. It's called the Feast or Festival of Pentecost, or Shavuot. And we're going to spend some time in this segment launching into that in great detail. But I'm going to make a statement, and I want you to speak to this statement as well, because I know we've talked about this as well. But the... Mm -hmm. Feast or Festival of Pentecost, you know, we, we celebrate uh, Easter, or what, what we call Easter, or Pesach, or the Passover, uh, you know, uh, you know, 49 days ago, and we, we the whole, everybody in the church celebrates this, because it, it really is the time frame when uh, Jesus uh, opened the door for salvation for his kids as the Passover lamb. And then, then we Gentiles, with the Greek mindset, we completely forget about all the other high days in the uh, Hebrew perspective. The next high day uh, is today, actually today and tomorrow. It's called the Festival of Pentecost. And Shelley, I was kind of uh, reminiscing with you when we were together about how nobody, hardly anybody in the church really celebrates this Feast of Pentecost Day in the church, when in the book of Acts, the scripture says, when the, the Feast of Pentecost was fully come, and they, you, you know what happens, my listening friend, they were in one place, in, in one accord, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and something transitioned from the Old Testament in the Tanakh, the uh, Shavuot, or the Feast of Pentecost, where the law was given, the fulfillment of that law was given when Holy Spirit came and uh, 
blew upon us with this wind of revelation. And we, we don't even realize that this, this time frame right now is the time we should be celebrating the, the birthday of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do we do? We just have a regular Sunday service. Talk about that a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Right. You don't have to be Pentecostal to celebrate Pentecost. Um, (laughs) No, this is such a marker in our faith tradition. You know, but I was speaking with a Jewish friend the other day, and it struck me because they, this particular person, had the same exact feeling towards Shavuot, saying, well, in Judaism, Shavuot is the biggest holiday no one's ever heard of. So, (laughs) So there's a little bit of a parallel there that, you know, that, um, 70% of Israelis, and, and I don't know what the statistics are of American Jews, but, you know, Passover is one of the most acknowledged holidays on the Jewish calendar. And and you don't hear many of your, you know, non-Orthodox Jewish friends mention Shavuot either, or it being a, a, a highly underlined holiday on the Jewish calendar. So I just thought that, thought that that was interesting, that the grief goes both ways. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So, yes, for Shavuot, it's this marker of, I'm sure what Anarina, you know, everything that she's taught of just this marker of the Torah being given to these newly freed slaves who are writhing to try and understand God's plan and purpose for them and the world. And here they have this helper in the form of written word and written laws and what they should do for things to be well with them. And then... I just picture these disciples just, you know, yes, they just had the best, you know, for a Christian to be a fly on the wall during the time that Jesus is walking them through the Bible and telling them how he fulfilled these prophecies with his death and resurrection. You know, it's hard to feel sorry for the disciples, (laughs) but at the same time, they, they didn't know what their place was in the world, what their place was in Judaism, what this meant to, to mark out on this messianic path. And so God kept telling them, Jesus kept telling them, I'm sending you a helper. I'm, this, you don't have to do this on your own. And so so just a parallel there of just these communities that were on the edge of something great and had been delivered from something huge, and God sent them what they needed right at that time. Um, I mean, it's certainly something worth celebrating. But not only that, you know, in, in Jewish tradition, Shavuot, tonight is a night that we are supposed to stay up all night or Jews are supposed to stay up all night studying the Bible. So just this idea of not only should we celebrate and mark Pentecost and Shavuot, but that we should treat it with just such an intensity and such a urge for the Messiah to return um, with, you know, it's filled with the same kind of anticipation and waiting that that Christmas and Easter and these other, you know, giant, the holidays, the giants of the holidays are filled with as well. And so I think we just do so much good to to refocus and recenter and thank God for the Holy Spirit, because how we would be wondering without without it. That's exactly right. And my listening friend, the deal is God has plans for his church and without embracing this time frame in the book of Acts chapter 2 when Holy Spirit came and uh, endued us with his power. There's no way that we can fulfill our calling if we're trying to do it on our own strength and with our own willpower. God has really major important plans. In fact, I would dare say they are end time plans, my friend. And he wants us to not only be aware of these days in which we live, but to impact them by Holy Spirit with 
whispering to us and saying, this is the way, go this way, or don't go that way. And we're going to have to learn how to listen and obey to the Holy, the Holy Spirit more and more in these last days, because times, while on one side they're, going to, they're very hopeful and exciting, on the other side, the, the enemy sees his end is drawing nigh, and he wants to put an end to the people that are a threat to him. And guess who that is, my friend? <laughs> That's you and me. And the empowerment that God gives us is found in Holy Spirit baptism, Holy Spirit intimacy with us so that we can do God's bidding like never before and Christ can come for his church. You want to speak to that just a little bit, uh, Shelley? Right. Well, just this last year and just, you know, studying Acts 2 in this connection, this messianic thread that always runs through the Bible, right, that what is what is foreseen in the Tanakh, you know, will be fulfilled in the New Testament. And so this connection between Exodus, it's 19 and and Acts 2, I just, I think this year what I've just been really pressed by is I get so many, you know, kind of emails and, and, and I'm sure that you hear this all the time in your world too, that people in the younger generation that even that have been raised in the faith, but their faith has gone dead. And so when I read this, I mean, so much about this moment when, when the tongues of fire come to rest on, on all of the individuals there present, it says 3000 were added to their number that day. And Peter, this disciple who has been, who struggled in so many ways up to this point, you know, is suddenly a powerful speaker, so powerful that he is able to to present the gospel to all that are there and all that can listen. And so I just really feel pushed to just, I'm constantly praying to God right now to just shake, shake the dormant faith of, of believers, you know, of, of people that have grown up in the church and that have just let their faith go to sleep. And so that's what I feel like this happened at at this moment in time when, you know, Roman culture, Greek culture had taken over much of the Jewish world and deadened their own senses to the faith that they had been given. And we certainly can see that, that parallel in our world today. But I do think that God is going to wake us all up, <laughs> wake yes. everyone up. And so I think it's a prayer that is worth praying, you know, now on this Pentecost that we will be given the words like Peter, you know, if we haven't always felt equipped, much like Peter wasn't equipped before, but that we, that we will pray for that e- equipment or equipment or, you know, that we will pray for that and that we also will be commissioned, and that we also will be able to just awaken the faith of unbelievers and, and see a revival. Wow, that's a very good insight, and we are going to attend to that in the remaining segments of the the show. I'm with Shelley Neeson. She's a wonderful author of the Copper Scroll Project, and we're going to spend a big chunk of the remaining hour talking about that near the end of the show, because you will be amazed, and we've got a little surprise for you about that as well. But my listening friend, as we draw close to this segment, one of the things that that, uh, Shelley said that we're going to deal with in the next segment is talking about trans the transformation from what we many of us would agree is complacency, complacency or even apathy in the church environment with a revelation of what God wants to do not only to us but through us. And we have to understand what God did in this time frame of Scripture called the Pentecost time or the Feast of Pentecost time frame. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But think about what Shelley says about uh, the Apostle Peter. Before this empowerment came, he was just 
the guy, you know, just making the mistakes that Peter makes. But after this, Holy Spirit took a hold of him and he became uh, a bulwark for the Christian faith, as did Paul. And so what God wants to do with us is he wants to shake us and wake us so that we can be prepared for great and mighty things. And Shelley, let's talk about this in the next segment, shall we? Perfect. Okay, well, Shelly Neese and Kaz will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Joel Lieberman from Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation. Lord, we just do lift up the entire region of San Diego from Vista to Chula Vista. Lord, it says in the Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We pray a spirit of unity over our city. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, amen. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. I have to laugh because... uh intermingled within the show, we have different leaders in San Diego County setting the stage for the next segment. This was Rabbi Joel Lieberman that you just heard with the Tree of Life uh, ministry out of uh, La Mesa, and uh, he's one of the guys who really is able to connect the dots between the Hebrew scripture, the Tanakh, and for we Gentile believers, he's able to open our eyes and let us know of the value of the heritage of the of the Hebrews and in Scripture and in today, so I really honor him in this broadcast. You know, I'm 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 with Shelley Neese, who is an author. She's written the Copper Scroll Project. We'll talk about that in the last segment. But she's not only an author, but she's a writer. But she's also, as you can tell, an anointed teacher and speaker. Shelley, you mind if I give a few over pieces of overview here for this month that we're in, and I'm going to hand the baton off to you to uh, do whatever you want as my co-host. Would that be okay? Please do. Please okay. do. I like co-hosting. Thank you, <laughs> It's a pleasure. My listening friend, do you realize the, the way that God works is he gives us... Uh, nuances and truths, and he embeds them in his months, in his years, in his days, in his parables, and his types, and his symbols, and we are called upon to actually glean from that and get the deeper truths, and this month right now is called the third month of the biblical calendar, Savan, but within this month is a time frame, what we call Pentecost. Let me, let me tell you some of the things that happened in this time frame. Remembering a scripture in 1 Corinthians that is written by Paul, and it speaks of Moses, and he says in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, these things happened to Moses, these things happened unto him for examples unto us for our admonition, for our learning, upon whom the ends of the age are come. Well, what things happened tied to this time frame, which we call Pentecost or Shavuot? Well, listen to this. It's a time frame where, uh, of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Zebulun is brought to four. This is a time frame where the constellation Gemini, or the twins, is in, in play. This is a time uh, of Z- the, the tribe of Zebulun was a, a, a tribe that dealt with commerce, that deals with giving and receiving. You know, also it's a time of wheat harvest. The month of Shavuot is the month of Pentecost, but it also is the month where the Torah, the law, was given on Sinai. And uh, the ark, listen to this, the ark of Israel was ter- returned to Israel 
um, from the Philistines who didn't want to have anything more to do with it. <laughs> but also, you know that this is the time frame not only when King David was traditionally speaking, he was born, but listen to this. This is also the time where they accredit King David as dying after age 70. And uh, there's some significant value to that as well. My listening friend, this month is burgeoning with truths. And here we are in the Gentile church going, oh, just another Sunday. We'll worship the Lord and get out of here in time to go to McDonald's and whatever it is. And, uh, and, and there it is. But we are missing our heritage by not really embracing the truths that are embedded in this month, in this festival. And uh, the more we can comprehend that, the more empowered we will be and the more equipped we will be to move forward. And uh, Shelley Neese said, amen. And then she said. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, so, you know, my job is, is writing, you know, I'm always in front of my laptop. And so sometimes even though I'm writing about spiritual things, you know, sometimes that can just be as much work as it is inspired. (laughs) And so, um, so I was, in the process last year of trying to write every week based off of the the weekly Torah reading portion, just trying to follow with discipline, as much as a writing discipline and a reading discipline and spiritual discipline, follow the Jewish reading calendar for reading through the first five books of the Bible and writing about it weekly. Well, when it came to Shavuot, You know, and I had considered myself sort of like you, I mean, just immersed in this kind of study and this kind of way of thinking of the Hebrew and and Messianic way of approaching the New Testament and approaching my belief in Jesus the Messiah. I came to study Shavuot and its comparison with Pentecost. And I mean, all charismatics can identify with me when I say, you know, this is more than just Pentecostal goosebumps, but I've felt like I physically had to stand. I couldn't just sit at my computer and write what I was writing. <laughs> I physically felt like this was so holy and this was so huge. And this was such a moment of discovery for me in my own life and the parallels and the connections between Shavuot and Pentecost that it felt like I was standing on holy ground. Um, and one of my favorite parts about Jewish tradition and Shavuot is not only just the things that, you know, are, are the most obvious connections that that the Torah was given to Moses on Mount Sinai and that the Holy Spirit is given to the Christians in the upper room or at the temple courts, depending on where they would have all fit. But do you know that in Jewish tradition, there's always associated scriptures and what you read on different feasts and festivals. And it's not always the obvious ones. You know, certainly they read Exodus during this time period and, and what happened on Mount Sinai. But the associated scripture with Shavuot is reading the book of Ruth. And when I learned that and really experienced that on my own, just reading Shavuot in this mindset while I was thinking about Pentecost and thinking about what happened on Mount Sinai, and then thinking, why would this be the chosen scripture? I just was so stunned to realize that, you know, for Ruth, I mean, there's so much depth there with Ruth, but Ruth is the first Gentile who is grafted into the covenant. Ruth is, as far as I'm concerned, the first Christian Zionist, you know, the first Christian <laughs> to associate her path with the Jewish people and say, you know, where you die, I will die. Your God will be my God. You know, I am committed to you. 
and and just like I feel every day, which is my commitment to Israel and the Jewish people. And so to have Ruth is be, just being, and, and of course, also what you were saying about, you know, this holiday's connection to King David, and of course, Ruth being in the lineage of King David and of our Messiah, even though even though the Moabites were never, you know, were cursed people, just how authentic that makes the scriptures that, that Ruth, you know, a people that had, had cursed the Israelites and their crossing and, you know, that she would suddenly be because of her faith, because of her strong faith, not only be, you know, the ancestress of King David, but also of, of the King Messiah. And that this is the book that we're supposed to read as we think about our role in all of this from time memorial till the end times. It's just such an amazing thought. So that's what one thing that I would just, I was a real moment for me in my own faith journey is reading Shavuot and reading Ruth in the context of Shavuot and Pentecost. But I would just challenge everyone to do that. And, and a Jewish friend mentioned to me as well, you know, Ruth in terms of for Jewish scriptures, is very unusual in that there's no there's no laws there's no prescriptions in Ruth there's no um, to dos Ruth from beginning to end and all of its essence is about love you know love literally and love for Boaz and the love she has for Naomi but also just the love that undergirds you know her God's God's protection and hand over over her life and over her legacy yes. Um, and I love that. I just love the thought of that. And I love that as something to, to just study and think about. Let, let me throw another thought out there, my friend, uh, if, if for Shelley to, to respond to. It's not only uh, that kind of love as well, but it's also that horizontal love. Uh, in the book of Acts, it was the love of the Gentile and the Jew together way back uh, at the threshing floor with with uh, Boaz and Ruth. It was that intimate love relationship sparking there with Jew and Gentile. And in the book, in the book of Acts, it was Jew and Gentile coming together. And sadly, and I say this with a sincere heart, it is very sad to me that the Gentiles, we have disregarded those in the Jewish faith uh, that were not disregarded in the Acts chapter two church and I think God wants us to restore the, that intimacy, that relationship between Jew and Gentile. And I think he's working towards that even here. You know, a lot of people are starting to show a real revelation and love for Israel. But I think Israel is also beginning to show a real appreciation, as Boaz did to Ruth, about the Gentiles whom God wants to bring in to the fold or into the olive tree. So we've got about a, a minute left in this segment. How do you want to close this, my co-hosting friend, Shelley Neese? Well, more just rubber stamping what you just said. But yes, <laughs> I think that we are in a moment. I mean, Christianity and the way that it's postured itself towards Judaism has has completely changed. I mean, completely changed since the Holocaust, obviously. I mean, that was the biggest shaking and awakening, but also... Also, in the last 20 years, you've just anyone who is in this movement sees it and feels it, that there's an approaching that Jews and Christians are making towards each other. There's a righting of wrongs. There's repentance and reconciliation. And, and I see it. I see it everywhere. I mean, especially in what's happening between Jewish and Christian relationships in Israel, but also also here in America. And a lot of that is just coming from the humility and love that Ruth showed that we feel in our hearts. And so. 
there is so much to fix. You know, there's yes. so much to fix in 2000 years of history. But I, I can say and I do think that it applies that we are in the stage of fixing it, that we are in the stage of restoration and reconciliation. Yes. Well, and, I, and I say, Shelley, that we better be because the end of days is upon us where we are to be ruling and reigning with the, can, may I say, Hebrew king, <laughs> the king of kings, the king of the Jews. His name is Jesus. So my listening friend, uh, this is an awakening time as well. But one of the things that I really appreciate about Shelley, among many things, is that she, God has placed her in a position to use her skills as a writer to communicate these truths as well. So, Shelley, can we use the last segment of this show to talk a little bit about how God has anointed you and set you out as a writer of uh, articles, but also a writer of uh, very well-desired books. And so we're going to talk a little bit that, about that in the next segment. And my friend, what this is going to do for you is going to reveal to you that God, wherever your calling is, he wants to uncover and discover that with you so he can set you into that calling because we are in the times where your calling needs to be risen uh, to your full awareness. And my friends, uh, I think you're going to be inspired by Shelley Neese's story as well as an author and writer. So my friends, Shelley Neese and Kaz will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And I am glad to be back with you with my co-host for this hour, Shelley Neese. She's an author of uh, uh, many writings, uh, magazine and uh, otherwise, but also one of her most recent writings is the Copper Scroll Project. And I've talked a little bit about this for the entire, through the entire hour. I thought I'd devote the last uh, segment to have her tell some insights about this Copper Scroll Project, the book and uh, the inspiration behind this book. And I know it's going to dovetail with everything we've talked about because it's, uh, it's revelation from God. So, Shelley, give, give us the overview of the Copper Scroll Project that you have written that is receiving high acclaim. Sure. Well, so I, should, I always feel, in some ways, I mean, some stories are just so inherently great on their own that anyone could write them. Um, and so that's this is what I always think and what I always have to claim is that it's just a disclaimer that the Copper Scroll Project was such a good story on its own that a monkey could have written this book and I'm just grateful <laughs> to have been that monkey. Well, <laughs> so yeah, but you, yeah, come that. on, Shelly. Come on now. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm so serious. So, so the Copper Scroll, you know, and the copper scroll just by itself is something that once you learn what it is, you can never unknow it. It'll, it'll haunt you at night, but it is one of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It is written on copper, unlike all of the other Dead Sea Scrolls, which are papyrus or leather or parchment. And, and so it measures about seven feet long, two feet wide. It was found in cave three. There's 12 Dead Sea Scroll caves. It was found in the third one by an archeological team and 
you know, we're short on time and I could just talk about the copper scroll forever. So I'll just say that just cut to the chase that it is an ancient treasure map. So unlike the other Dead Sea Scrolls that are either books of the Bible, biblical commentary or sectarian documents about how the Essenes, the authors of the scrolls lived, the copper scroll is an inventory of treasure. It dates like all the Dead Sea Scrolls. So it's 2000 years old and, and, Really, you know, for the longest time, well, it took three years to even figure out how to open the copper scroll because it was, you know, green and and brittle and it did what copper does. And so it was very fragile to the touch and it oxidized. And so it took them a few years to even be able to open it. But even from the beginning, they could see words on the outside of the copper scroll, like dig, cubits, gold. And so they, they were aware from early on that this was a scroll very, very unique in its, in its composition. And so once they were able to unroll it, which is a heroic story in its own right, what they see, like you just can't wrap your head around the copper score, at least for 70 years, no one could. It was found in 1952 because it was very, very specific. The copper scroll, so yes, it would list out copious amounts of gold, silver, and, and treasure, And it would tell you where to look and how deep to dig. But the problem was, is that it was so specific to its time and to its place that it almost seemed like we had found or, you know, archaeologists had found a note to self, you know, as if we had (laughs) found an old grocery list that only, you know, when you say, you know, pick up the butter from from Martha's house, like, well, who's Martha and where's her house? And now we're going to find this document 2000 years later. That is not unlike what the Copper Scroll sounded like. So it would say, you know, buried here at these steps facing eastward, 17 cubits, you know, in this courtyard, you'll find this amount of treasure. And so people just scratch their heads and, and historians scratch their heads, not knowing how could we how could we possibly know where these courtyards and stairwells are today. And so there really, you know, there was a few people that have gone after the Copper Scrolls promise and, and treasure and have tried to dissect it. But but not with any sort of thoroughness or any real, <laughs> real patience and pursuit until a man named Jim Barfield, an arson investigator from Oklahoma, really just applied his own unique skill set to the Copper Scroll and and just came up with a theory that really, you know, seems almost obvious in hindsight, but certainly it must have not been obvious because no one else was ever able to figure it out. But his theory is that all of these treasures listed in the Copper Scroll are, in fact, buried at Qumran, at the, the the settlement that the authors of the Dead Sea Scrolls lived in, you know, their sort of desert hideaway. And the, the Copper Scroll itself was found very close to Qumran. So, so it does seem like kind of an obvious choice. But what Jim Barfield was able to do was take the architectural descriptions in the Copper Scroll and match them with the ruins that are still on the ground in Quran, which anyone who's ever able to visit Israel has has likely been to Quran because it's famously associated with the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so, you know, if if you read the book, if you if you look up Jim Barfield, I mean, what you'll see is what he's done. It's just 
it's mind blowing. And so it was why I could just never walk away from his research, never walk away from the ideas that he planted in my head is because of a certain obviousness. Once, once you see what he's connecting, like he always kind of puts it in, in arson investigator terms that he found five <laughs> fingerprints, you know, he, he found someone guilty of the crime. And so he has been, and the story is just, you know, his patient pursuit over the last 10 years, because how does an arson investigator in Oklahoma, you know, make contact with the Israel Antiquities Authority and convince them to to try and, and dig up treasures at a site that is very sacred to Israel because of its connection to the Dead Sea Scrolls? And, yes. um, you know, and he's not at, he's not doesn't have his Ph.D. or any of these things with, that would normally make him an obvious candidate to go knocking on those doors. Yes. And so. So it's definitely it's definitely a story if you if you like if you like an underdog story and if you like a miracle story then then the Copper Scroll Project you know will it's for you. My, my, quickly give us an, a, a way that we can access more information about the Copper Scroll Project book, Shelley Nice. Sure. So it's available anywhere that you buy books. Um, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, all those places in Christian bookstores. And so I think. Hopefully, your listeners would be able to find it in any of their preferred places. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Books, and you can you can find out mostly Amazon. But. Yes, and you can find out what a, a monkey's writing looks like. No, stop it. Exactly. You know what, Shelley? I'm I'm not buying into that. You are an excellent writer, <laughs> and you've done so many more, more things. Time does not allow us to dig deeply into that. You notice how I, I used an excavational term here? Dig deeply there further into that. Pun I just wanted to do that. But here's the news I wanted to share with you at the close of the show, right here, and. And that is, I purposely had Shelley talk about other things rather than the Copper Scroll in this broadcast because I've had a conversation with Jim Barfield, and we are arranging to bring Shelley back on with me. We'll co-host for, let's say, two whole hours with Jim Barfield as our other co-host. And the three of us will talk about Copper Scroll Revelation and uh, what that means, not, not only from excavational perspective, but symbolically as well, because Shelley uh, is burgeoning with uh, truths and deeper truths and deeper truths. So, Shelley, uh, you and I will work together. Uh, we'll talk with Jim and see when he can come on, and then I will announce it to our listening friends. This is going to be a dynamite show when we come together, Jim Barfield and Shelley Nice and I, as we talk about the Copper Scrolls and the Copper Scroll Project. Ain't that right, Shelley Nice? It is. Your listeners will, will love him. They'll, <laughs> they'll ask for round two, I promise. <laughs> okay. My friends, we're out of time, but I, I just wanted to whet your you. appetite on that. And Shelley, thank, what a joy to ha- have you. And I trust that you're going to come back frequently and talk about other things that stir you that are almost all things Hebrew. We'll, we'll, we'll discover what that means as well. My listening friend, uh, on behalf of Shelley Neese, who is in Washington, D.C., and me, well, San Diego, California, and Come Together San Diego, we have so many more things to share with you on future shows, so don't stray far away, because Come Together San Diego, and we will be back at that time. God bless you, and thank you for listening. Thanks for joining Chaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. 
Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together. San Diego, next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.